it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, I'm Vaughan Benison. Welcome to this week's episode of New Horizons. The Sioux Salthouse Memorial Lecture is delivered each year by the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network in memory of Sue Salthouse, a well-known member of ACAN and disability advocate. This year it was delivered by former CEO of Blind Citizens Australia, Emma Benison, and introduced by Dr Wayne Hawkins, who was up until recently the Director of Inclusion at the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network. ACAN holds this annual event as a way to celebrate Sue Salthouse's life and achievements as a disability advocate. As many of you know, Sue was a strong disability advocate across many areas, including access to telecommunications for people with disability. Sue was a longtime member and friend of ACAN and was on ACAN's inaugural board of directors. Sue also was chairperson of ACAN's board for two years. We also used this event as a way to spotlight women with disability in leadership roles, as a way to highlight the importance of strong disability advocacy and the strong voices of women with disability in the community. This year, we're very fortunate to have Emma Benison to deliver the lecture. Emma Benison, as many of you will know, is also a strong disability advocate and has had a number of leadership roles improving the lives of people with disability in Australia. I want to talk to you about the times that I've almost quit disability advocacy and what changed my mind. You might say, well, that's a strange thing to want to talk about in a memorial lecture, but... I do think that we often focus on the wins in advocacy. And I also think that some of the most instructive conversations that I've had with um, with mentors and with fellow advocates has been about the times when things haven't gone so well. They're the conversations I've often learnt most from because it's reminded me that I'm not the only person who's failed as an advocate. So I want to tell you a couple of stories today about the times when things haven't necessarily gone quite so well um, and what I've learned from them and then why I've decided to keep advocating, what's kept me going. The first story I want to tell you is about a time when I was abandoned left behind, forgotten, whatever you want to call it, by an airline um, in one of Australia's largest airports. Uh, It was on International Day of People with Disability, which really rubs salt into the wound. And it was a really scary um, experience because not only did I get left behind, but I then kind of got forgotten about um, subsequently and had to continue to advocate to get on another flight. And... So I often in those situations tend to use writing 
as a way to deal with some of those situations when it sometimes can be quite traumatic and quite um, emotionally jarring. And, you know, when you get left behind by an airline, one thing you have a lot of is time. And so I had plenty of time to sit down and, and write about my experience. And I thought long and hard and I decided um, to publish what I'd written, uh, an opinion piece. And so I did that. And I got lots of really strong support from my community. I was CEO of Blind Citizens Australia at the time, the National Representative Organisation of Australians who are blind or vision impaired. And, you know, it was a, a, a really great level of outpouring of support. But I also um, heard from some people in my community who really made it clear to me in the nicest possible way that they felt that I should not have used my leadership position to, you know, progress my individual advocacy issue. Now, I really respected some of these people. One of the reasons they said this was because, you know, there was a potential that the airline could be a future sponsor of the organisation. So, you know, that could disrupt that relationship. But also because... Um, they felt that, you know, I shouldn't be using my position. I should be um, representing the community and not um, and not progressing my own agenda. Now, I, I thought about this a lot. I was um, speaking a lot with other advocates about this who I respected. And I reached the view that if you feel able to do so, when you hold a position of leadership – it really is incumbent upon you to use that position to um, advocate for systemic change. Now, I was the person being left behind on that particular day, but it could have been anybody else on any other given day. And I know many people who've been abandoned by airlines. Um, so I feel that you, if you have a platform like that, if you have the privilege to lead, you really need to use that platform to create change. Otherwise, I actually think that you're complicit in perpetuating the discrimination um, that we're all here to, um, to remove. Um, the second story I want to tell you um, is about a time when I was working at Access Arts in Queensland and I was going with my then boss who was a wheelchair user to speak to the Brisbane City Council about a rental um, increase that they were imposing on us. And it was really going to put the organisation into jeopardy. When we got to the council chamber, turned out that the council chamber was actually inaccessible to my boss. He couldn't get in. Now, I was obviously incensed by this. And I said, well, what are we going to do? And I, I was agitating for me to go in and ask the councillors to come out and hear him speak. But he held the view that he didn't want to detract from the issue, the rental increase issue. And so he decided that what would actually happen is that I would go in and I would make the speech. Now, that was a real learning for me because I had to respect his position. I had to be an ally. Um, it didn't matter what opinion I had. Um, I, I really had to be um, an ally in that moment. But it really made me think about, well, you know, um, 
as advocates, we have to put our own opinions to one side sometimes. And the final story I want to tell you um, is about um, a more recent experience I had when I got the opportunity to go and speak to the Department of Communications and the Arts uh, and I knew that the Deputy Secretary was going to be present and I was um, invited to speak about um, audio description. It was during the time when we were trying to um, get audio description on Australian television and I, I really... Um, prepared well for this presentation, I you know over many weeks because I knew how I just had a feeling it was going to be important, um, and it was lucky that I did prepare because the day before I got a terrible flu, and but I was absolutely determined that I was going to do this presentation, and so the next day um, I I did do it and it and it went really well and I um it was certainly one of the factors one of many factors that played into um us successfully getting audio description on our public broadcasters but really the point about that is I couldn't have done that if I hadn't been as well prepared as I was it's so important to be prepared so that if you're not at your best on a given day, you can still do the advocacy that needs to be done. The more prepared you are, the less thrown you will be by things like, you know, if you can't get into the building easily or if the public transport has gone against you or, you know, the taxi hasn't turned up or whatever it is. So, um, you know, it's it's just really, really important Um to to be as prepared as you can be. And that was my learning from that particular experience. So I guess the question is then after hearing all of those kind of very different stories, why do I keep advocating? Because, you know, um, those and many others are examples of why sometimes it would be easier to, to stop. Um, Emily Esfahani-Smith identify as four pillars of a meaningful life in her book about meaning. And when I, when I read this book, it really struck me that these are actually the four pillars that keep me and probably many other people um, advocating. And one is that advocacy really does create a sense of belonging. You know, there's, there's a real sense of belonging when you can work with um, your community and with other organisations to advocate you know, for a common um, purpose. Uh, and so that's that's one of the things that keeps me doing it. The second one is actually a sense of purpose. There's nothing like having a sense of purpose to keep you advocating. You know, if you really are committed to, um, you know, upholding the human rights of people with disability, uh, there's nothing like that to, to give you purpose. And then the third one is storytelling. And I think storytelling is, like, advocacy is so much about storytelling. You know, whether it be that you're um, telling your own story or whether you've been given the really huge honour and privilege of um, providing a voice for someone else and sharing their story in the way that they want you to do that, or whether it be that you're actually painting a picture of a brighter future through story, you know, everything in advocacy comes back to to story and then the final one is is transcendence and i think in this instance when i talk about transcendence i guess what i mean is um 
you know, transcending the kind of argumentative sort of um, approach that we traditionally tend to take to advocacy, transcending the us and them and really trying to think about, you know, what is it that we want to achieve here and how can we bring people together rather than dividing people? So for me, those pillars have been really important. And my secret and what I really want to leave you with um, to, to kind of longevity and advocacy has been to develop my own advocacy style. You know, I don't want to advocate in an adversarial way. I mean, sometimes you have to be adversarial and that's fine. But for me, that's that's not the kind of advocacy I want to be doing most of the time. I want to advocate with, with kindness and compassion um, and truth-telling, you know, wherever I possibly can. Um, but you can do truth-telling in a, in a kind and compassionate way. It doesn't always work, but wherever I can, that's what I want to do. And I guess what I want to leave with you today is that you don't have to advocate like anyone else. Like you probably have many advocates that you admire, but that doesn't mean that you have to advocate like them. You need to figure out what your authentic advocacy style is. You need to figure out what works for you. And I think this is especially true for, for women. You know, you really have to decide who you want to be, how you want to show up. And I think it's it's so important the how you show up because it's what people remember about you. It's it's as much or more important than what you actually say um, is how you show up. So I would really challenge you to be intentional about that as much as you possibly can and to figure out what your own advocacy style is and um, to really own that and not to apologise for that um, because I think we need more advocates who are authentic and unique. If you'd like to get in touch with Blind Citizens Australia, 1-800-033-660 is the number to call, 1-800-033-660. Or, of course, you can email bca at bca.org.au, bca at bca.org.au. If you'd like to hear the full version of the Sue Salthouse Memorial Lecture, have a look at the ACAN website, accan.org.au. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream. Of our dreams